So when I was 15, I was a part of this crazy little church. Um, like, you know, I mean, we're pretty charismatic here at Chi Alpha. Like, we raise our hands, but they took it to another level, like, like yelling out in tongues during service, just like very passionate people. It was great. But something I learned uh, during that time in that church is like they just expected that God was going to show up every week. Like they had this expectation that the Holy Spirit wanted to move in a powerful way in every service. And did they do everything right? No, they didn't. There are some things that they didn't. But they had this faith and this expectation. And I kind of caught that bug when I was 15, and I began to pray with faith for things, like this childlike faith. And there's this one night um, after church, my family was at Buffalo Wild Wings, you know, sound familiar. I've been doing it since I was 15. Uh, but we were at Buffalo Wild Wings. And, and my parents have always been very honest with us. And uh, they just shared that they're having some financial struggles. And I just got this thought in my head. I just got this thought that they were going to get an, an unexpected check in the mail. So I just said, I just think you're going to get an unexpected check in the mail tomorrow. And I'm a 15-year-old, okay? And I just had this random thought, and I shared it. And the next day, sure enough, they got a big random check in the mail. And that taught me something. It taught me that there's power to our prayers. I was just some 15-year-old kid. I don't even know if I was right with the Lord at the time, to be honest. But God, like, dropped something in my heart, and I just shared it in the moment, and then it happened. It was incredible. It's not like my words made it happen, but, but God asked me to pray for that. And it kind of opened up this whole world for me of, of praying with faith and expectancy. But if I'm honest, like, now that I'm a little bit older, I've been disappointed more. I'm a little bit more cynical at times. I don't have that kind of faith that I had as a 15-year-old, that God could do anything at any moment, that he could change the darkest situation. Sometimes I don't have that faith anymore. You know, I get it in spurts, and I'll share stories of how God has moved through faith and prayer throughout our life, but, but sometimes I struggle to have that childlike faith. As my wife Emily and I have been praying for this year, I just feel like God wants to do something in this community that's different than years past. I, I feel like God wants to to give us this childlike faith, to begin to pray the Holy Spirit would turn impossible situations around and not only pray it, but actually see it happen. But I believe to get there, we have to get to this point where we're wholly dependent upon God. We don't try to do things in our own power, but instead we're desperately seeking God and asking him to move in our midst. Like, wouldn't it be cool to see God do impossible things here on Tuesday nights? Wouldn't it be cool to see God heal people out on campus you know, football players that break their leg, they get healed and they can play the next week. Like, wouldn't that be cool? Like, that's what happens in the scriptures. It happens over and over again. Things like that happen. But for some reason, we don't see it as much today. And I think inside every human heart, like whether you're a Christian or not, I believe that inside of every human heart, there's this, there's this desire, maybe a small, but there's this desire to, or to see the supernatural. I think we want to know that there's something else out there that can intervene into the natural world. I think that's why some people believe in aliens, right? They're like, yes, that would be so cool. I believe there's this, this heart or this desire to see that, that, that there can be hope even in dead situations, that even when your back is against the wall, it seems like uh, there's no way out that, that God could, or could make a way. And if you're a Christian, which isn't all of us, I'm sure, if you're a Christian, though, and you put your faith in Christ, Jesus tells us not only should we do this, but but we have a responsibility to do this. Like there's a mandate on our lives to pray and to expect the kingdom to invade the natural world through our prayers. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. Tonight we're going to be doing our last sermon in the Kings and Queens series. I've really enjoyed this series. 
you know, the whole series has been inspired by the truth that those who put their faith in Jesus become sons and daughters of God. So, like, you maybe have heard, like, we're all God's children. That's actually not true according to the Bible. Like, according to the Bible, to become a child of God, you have to put your faith in Jesus. If you're not putting your faith in Jesus, then you're actually called an enemy of God because you're dead in your sin, right? But if you put your faith in Christ, you go from an orphan to a son or to a daughter. And we've been kind of examining, what does that mean? Like, if we go from being an orphan to an adopted son or daughter of the king of the universe who's above the hundreds of billions of galaxies, maybe that should change something about the way we live. And that's what we've been looking at. So the first week, we talked just about how to become a child of God. The second week, we talked about how to live like a child of God. So not only to be a child of God positionally, like God looks at you and says, yes, that's my son, yes, that's my daughter, but to actually live like God. And then uh, last week, we talked about our purpose in the world. Our purpose is really twofold. It's one, to, or to worship God with our whole hearts, and then two, to make disciples or to help people to follow Christ. And now tonight, we're going to kind of see the culmination of this series by talking about our responsibility and our authority as the sons and as the daughters of the Most High King to bring heaven to earth through prayer. There's a responsibility on us. If you're a child of God, there's a responsibility to push back the darkness and to bring his kingdom here to earth through prayer. So the last sermon is called A Kingdom Authority. We're going to look at our authority in prayer to change the dark and the dead situations around us and to make earth look a little bit more like heaven. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. That's where we're going to be at tonight. And in this passage that we're going to look at, is located within the broader sermon that Jesus preached, very famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, okay? And the Sermon on the Mount is chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew. It's a highly practical sermon where Jesus talks about how we can live out the kingdom of God within the world. In our little section of this sermon, we're going to look at our responsibility to pray, if you haven't guessed that already. So let's take a look, verse 7 through 11. It's a, it's a, it's a short little passage. Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find, and knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, or will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will your Father, who's in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. So the main idea tonight is this. We have a responsibility to usher in the kingdom of God through prayer. As God's sons and daughters, we have a responsibility to pray that this world would be more like his world, that his kingdom would rush into earth and transform it. In just a chapter prior to Matthew 7 and Matthew 6, or Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. You probably prayed it before if you grew up in a Christian home. You know, you probably pray it kind of mindlessly, but in verse 10, there's, there's this powerful part of the prayer. It says this. It says, Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're called to pray that prayer every day. I'd make it a practice to, to say, Your kingdom come and your will be done on the campus of you and I as it is in heaven. Or I pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done in the state of Iowa as it is in heaven. I pray those prayers every morning. This is a responsibility we have to, to bring heaven to earth through prayer. God's heart is that his world would break into this one, but we have to pray 
for it to happen. For some reason, God wants to use flawed people like us to make this happen. Every other command that God gives us in the scriptures flows out of this one, of this prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For instance, the command to go and to preach the gospel, hey, that's making earth more like heaven, right? It's helping people to find Jesus. Or the command to make disciples, helping people become like Christ, that's part of like, making earth more like heaven. All the commands flow out of this one, out of this prayer. So let's pray, and we'll pray that too. All right, let's, let's just seek God right now. God, I pray in this place tonight that you would speak to every heart in this room in the way that they need to be spoken to. And God, we pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, and more specifically on the campus of you and I as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We could bring my mic down just a little bit. I know I asked that last week too, but I like to kind of raise my voice sometimes for a dramatic effect when you're falling asleep, so I don't want to scare you when I do that. All right, so the first point tonight is this. If you're taking notes, it's this. God's children, or we, if you're God's child, are called to pray in expectation that he will answer our prayers. So the first thing we see clearly in verses 7 and 8 is that if you're a follower of Christ or a child of God, you have a responsibility to pray. Jesus says to ask, seek, and knock. He wants us to seek him in prayer. He wants us to bring our request to him. But not only that, he calls us to pray with expectation that we're going to receive and that we're going to find and that we're going to have doors be opened. So I want to take a, or just a second to look at these three imperatives. So ask, seek, and knock and see what they mean for us. So the first one is ask. So note that he doesn't tell us what to ask for. He doesn't say ask for this. But he just says to ask. And I think this reveals something about God's heart. He wants us to ask him for things. He really doesn't care what it is. Obviously, he wants us to pray in his will. But he just wants us to depend upon him. So many times we try to do things in our own strength. And God says, ask me to help you. I will help you. Come and ask. Ask. Every day we should come to God and ask him. Say, say God, give me daily bread. I know that the Rialto and the Piazza have food there that I can eat, but still I'm dependent upon you to provide that food. Ask. God, ask, or God wants us to ask. And then he says to seek. And by seek, he's probably telling us to seek his will. So don't just ask. Don't just, like, yes, we want to do that, but also seek him out. Seek his heart. Seek his will. And see what he might want us to ask for. In numerous other passages in the Gospels, there, there's... A number of them. Jesus says, he says, whatever you ask for in my name, believe that you received it and it will be yours. So he says, whatever you ask in my name, believe that you received it and it will be yours. So what that means by saying in my name, in ancient culture, in Israel, this would have meant to ask things in accordance with who Jesus is. It's in his name. It's something that he would want as well. So we don't just say, Jesus, give me a million dollars. I'm praying it with authority, I'm praying it in your name, and then he gives it to you. That's not how it works. But instead, you seek out his heart. You try to find what prayers might be in his name, and then you pray those prayers. And the, and the third thing is to knock. So knock gives us this imagery of a closed door. So you've had situations in your life where a door is just shut in your face. There's no way to, or to get it open. Maybe you're trying to get into a certain college, or you're trying to get a certain girlfriend or boyfriend, and that door is just closed. It ain't open in tonight. But this gives us this imagery that doors that are closed 
can be opened. Doors that are vastly shut can be opened if we pray. Through prayer, we can open closed doors. So with that said, it's clear that Jesus wants us to pray with persistence. He wants us to pray with expectation that God will answer our prayers. And yes, we have to seek his heart out and find what to pray for, but he wants us to get in this posture of prayer. So there's one prayer I prayed in college that was particularly cool. It's powerful to see God move. I was in Noren, I think it was second floor. It's the morning time. I was showering in the nasty showers there, and I was just praying, and I was like, all right, God, I don't know what to pray for. Give me something to pray for. So uh, my brother, Aaron, his name popped into my head. I'm like, okay, I'll pray for him. So I pray for Aaron, and I asked God, what do you want me to pray for? And I felt like he told me, pray that he will get into the law school that he's applying to get into. So I said, okay, that's easy. So I prayed that. There's nothing crazy that happened. There's no lightning bolt from heaven. It's just a thought I had in my head. So I prayed it. I had a class with Aaron later that afternoon because uh, we wanted to do that. It was fun to have a class together. Uh, he was always late and walking with a hamburger. It's awkward. But anyways, we had a class together. I was a freshman. He was a senior. After class, I just said, hey, Aaron, like, I don't know, but God just kind of told me to pray for you this morning and to pray specifically that you get into law school. Just let me know how that goes. Two minutes later, like he turns around, we at the camp and kneel. He turns one way, I go the other. And about two minutes later, he texts me and said, you're never going to believe this. Right after I turned around, I got an email saying I got into William Mitchell Law School. And Aaron, like, like at this point, I like, wasn't really intimate with the Lord or anything like that. But this really encouraged him. It, it grew his faith in that moment. It, 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 it told Aaron that, that, that God cares about him. That God cares about even the minute things like what school we're going to go to. God sees your situation he wants to answer your prayers, but you have to seek out his heart a little bit and say, all right, God, tell me what to pray for. I think this is a great way to pray, to, to seek God in the morning when your mind's kind of clear before you've looked at your phone. Because for me, once I look at my phone, I'm done. My mind's like, Brr, it's all over the place. I cannot hear God's voice, I feel like, after I look at my phone. So before you do that, ask God. Say, God, this morning, what do you want me to pray for? And then just pray what that is and see what he might do. It's pretty fun. All right, so I love the certainty of Jesus in this passage, that God doesn't only want us to pray, but he's going to answer our prayers. Like, that's pretty encouraging. But I want to read verses 9 through 11 again to see why we can be sure that God will, in fact, answer our prayers. Okay, so he says that he's going to answer our prayers, but why will he answer our prayers? Let's, let's read this quick. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who's in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Okay, the second thing tonight is this. It's this. We have a unique authority in prayer because God is a good daddy who loves to give good things to his children. So here's the reality. God is answering our prayers not because of us, but because of who he is. And in his very nature, God is a father to the fatherless. It says that in the Psalms. It says that, that in his nature, in God's holy habitation, it says that he is a father to the fatherless. At the center of God's heart is this desire to be your dad. And good fathers answer the prayers or, or answer the requests as long as they're good requests of their children, right? They don't withhold good things from their children. They don't say, hey, I'm going to give you a serpent, I'm going to give you a stone instead of bread and fish. But he's, a good father gives their children good food. So Jesus makes this argument that God will answer our prayers because he is a good heavenly father. He's trying to hammer home the point that even us who are evil know how to give our children good gifts. If you're a sane person, right? There's some crazy dads and moms out there. But for the most part, 
human beings, normal human beings, will give good things to their children. And if that's the case, then we know that God, who's way better than us, is going to give us good things. God loves to answer your prayers. Do you believe that? God loves to fulfill your request. God loves to come through for you. Some of us don't believe that tonight. We don't believe that God has good intentions for our life. For whatever reason, we've been disappointed in the past, we've been hurt, and we don't believe that God cares about us, but he does. He has good intentions for you. He wants to answer your prayers. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32 says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? And I love this verse right here, so just get ready. Verse 32, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I prayed that verse over my heart about a billion times because I have a tendency to not believe that God has good intentions for me. For some reason, my twisted brain, sometimes I think that God wants to withhold things from me or withhold good things from me. But it says here that, that God, or God wants to graciously give us all things. So a great example of this, of God coming through, but you know, sometimes in a way that's different than what we think. So here's the thing you need to get tonight. You could take this to an extreme and say, whatever I ask for, God's going to give it to me. Or whatever I think is good, God's going to give it to me. That's not the way it works, because God's way smarter than us. It says in Isaiah that, that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, his ways are higher than our ways, and sometimes he knows more what's good for us than we know, right? Or So there's this tension of God wanting us to, or to give us good things, but sometimes in a way that's a little bit different than what we expect. And a great example of this is uh, the story of Emily getting pregnant with our baby girl who is due in just about four weeks. It's going to change some things. All right. I won't be able to hang out with you guys as much on Friday nights. I'm sorry. Um, but anyways, in November of 2016, we decided that uh, we wanted to uh, get pregnant and have children. And, and we knew it would be difficult for us because of some health complications, but we just began to ask God in prayer and say, God, uh, you know, come through for us. And, and we felt like God specifically spoke to us and said, that I don't want you, that he doesn't want us to go to doctors for help. So like, okay, God, we need your help. We need you to come through. About a year goes by, about nine months. It's the summer of 2017, and he still hasn't answered our prayers. And I am really discouraged at this point. I'm thinking God does not want to graciously give us all things, or all good things. He wants to withhold things from me. He doesn't want to bless me. That's what I'm thinking during this season. But I was about to preach at a church in Ames, and God told me, he said, I want you to preach on my ability to do the impossible, even though you really don't believe it right now. But in faith, I want you to preach that. So I got up there, and I preached it. Preached my heart out. Didn't believe half the stuff I was saying at the time. I mean, I believed it, but I didn't believe it. Does that make sense? Like, I knew it was true in my head, but my heart didn't really believe it at the time. Two weeks later, the very first Chi Alpha service of that semester in the fall of 2017, we found out uh, that we were pregnant. It was amazing. Like, Wow. God came through. He answered our prayers. It was incredible. It was an incredible night. Just uh, this feeling of joy. But then, just a week after that, we found out that she was going to miscarry. So if that doesn't mess with your faith, I don't know what does. You pray. You seek. You say, God, I'm asking. And it says that you'll give it to me. I'm seeking. It says I'll find. I'm knocking. And this door needs to be open. Then the door's open. And then he shuts it in my face. I'm like, okay, God, I don't know what to do. So I kind of went into the season of just being faithful, saying, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what's going on. I don't get this, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to press in. For, or so for the next five months or so, we just be, or kept pressing in, kept praying, kept asking God to come through. And then in January, 
of this year in a time when we weren't, like biologically, like there's biology behind this, right? Like, like bio, or bio, or biologically, we weren't supposed to get pregnant. Like, like it just wasn't supposed to happen at that point. But then God came through. We began to feel this expectancy in our hearts again that God wanted to come through. And he came through and we got pregnant again. And now in four weeks, we're going to see our baby girl come into the world. And it's been this journey of prayer, though, this journey of trusting that God has good intentions. Like, there were so many times, like, pull out my phone. If you look at my phone, the background is that verse, Romans 8, 32, that God wants to graciously give us all things. Because I just needed to remind myself of that. I didn't really believe that he had good intentions for me. Like, I would pray over and over and over again, God, you have good intentions for me. God, you have good intentions for me. And now I see a bigger picture. I see, like, I don't understand why we lost the first one, but I do know if we hadn't lost the first one, we wouldn't have this one. There'd be no way for that baby to be born. Jane would not be possible without, uh, without losing the first one. So I don't get all the stuff behind that, but I just know that God has good intentions, and I believe that Jane is going to be an incredible, incredible woman. I just believe that God has plans for her. God sees the bigger picture, but here's something you need to hold on to even when you're in the darkest valley. God has good intentions for your life because he's a good father. He's a good father. He's a good, good father. It's who you are. Do you believe it? God's a good father. All right. The third thing is this tonight. So we've established that God wants us to pray with expectancy and with the belief that he wants to answer our prayers because he's a good father. But what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us as a community and as sons and daughters of God? Well, this is what it means. I'm glad you asked. The third point. Because we have authority in prayer, we have a responsibility to change the world through prayer. God has given us an authority. He's called us his children. He says, I'm a good dad who's going to hear your prayers because I give good things to my children. And because we've been given that authority as God's kings and queens on the earth who, who pray heaven into earth, because we've been given that authority, then there's responsibility, right? There's a responsibility to look at dark situations and say, that looks like a really good situation for God to get a ton of glory by turning it around. Instead of despairing when we see darkness, instead of backing up and trying to do things in our own strength, instead of that, uh, we seek our good father and ask him to change the world through our prayers to, or to change these dark situations. Uncle Ben is a, a very famous theologian. In Spider-Man, he said this. He said, he said, with great power comes great responsibility. You've been given great power. It's so true, though. Uncle Ben, like, that... Like that guy, he should be preaching tonight. With great power comes great responsibility. We've been given great power. If you're a son or daughter of God, if you have not become a Christian yet, I pray that you do that and get to walk in that power. But for those of you who have put your faith in Christ, God has given you great power, but there is a responsibility to that power. It's tied to that power. So Hebrews 4.16 says this. It says, it says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that and that we may receive mercy and find grace and help, or to help in time of need. So the veil's been torn, right? Just as Emily was talking about. So now we have access to God's throne room. Because we have access, we better go to the throne room. Come on. Like, the king of everything is available to us. We can bring our needs to him. We can bring our friends' needs to him. We can bring uh, the needs of our campus to him, and he will listen to us. And we don't go to the throne room. We're hanging out outside in the lobby. And God's saying, come into the throne room. Bring your request to me. Stop trying to figure it out out there. But come in and ask me. I can change it in just an instant. In Mark 11, Jesus 
did this. And in verse 20 through, through 25, it says this. It says, as they passed by in the morning, so this is, you know, Jesus' disciples, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. So Jesus had cursed the fig tree just a few verses prior, and now they see it's withered away. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. It's like he's surprised. Like Jesus is healing people, raising people from the dead, and Peter's like shocked. The fig tree withered. That's so many of us. Like when he actually answers a prayer, we're like, whoa, you answered a prayer. And Jesus is just like, that's what he says. He says, have faith in God. I think he wants to say that to us tonight. Have faith in God. Where's your faith? I can do the impossible. I raise dead people back to life. I curse trees and they wither. Have faith in me. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you that of whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. So this is something else that we could do a whole other sermon, but we're not going to do it. If you have bitterness in your heart tonight, if you have unforgiveness in your heart towards someone who's hurt you, and you haven't forgiven them, like God can't hear your prayers. He can't hear them. Because you have blocked yourself out from being heard by him. So you need to forgive first, right? And then it says that you'll be forgiven of your trespasses and be able to pray and have access to the Father. So I just, just want to throw that out there. Like, like bitterness is a huge deal, and so many of us carry it around, and it chokes our spirituality. So get rid of that tonight. But the thing that this passage shows, the thing I want to point out, is that Jesus is able to do the impossible, as I said. It, it, it shows that by the fig tree withering. But then he tells his disciples, he tells us, because if you're a disciple, he tells us that they can do the same things, that they can move mountains through prayer, as long as they have faith. He says, whatever you ask for in prayer, it can be yours if you believe that you've received it. Obviously, it has to be in God's will. But after we sought his will, we can pray with authority and see mountains thrown into the sea. And I don't want you going to the Rocky Mountains and be like, get out of there. Get in the sea, okay? This is a hyperbole, okay? So he's not actually telling you to do that. Like, pray for things that actually matter, right? But begin to pray with expectancy that God wants to move mountains in your life. So my question for you, kind of think about this. My question is this, what mountain, there's mountains in our lives, what mountain is God asking you to move in prayer? Like you've been trying to do it all on your own strength, like working really hard, and it ain't working because we aren't very good on our own, right? So what mountain is God asking you to move in prayer tonight? I'll tell you about one more mountain, and then I'm done with my stories. But back when I was a student at UNI, I was at Fall Retreat, okay, See, I'm sharing Fall Retreat stories because it's awesome. I was a sophomore, and I had prayed for tons of people to be healed in the past, and God never heard my prayers, I felt like. I would, like, grunt, God, heal him. I'd spit. It never worked. God never answered my prayers uh, for people to be healed. But there's one night, you know, Fall Retreat, Saturday night, like, it gets lit. Like, Holy Spirit starts moving. Things happen, okay? So what happens at Fall Retreat stays at Fall Retreat, besides I'm sharing, with, sharing it with you now. But, but uh, so God drops in my heart. He says, I want you to pray for a guy named Kyle. So Kyle had cerebral palsy. He kind of walked with a limp, and he had a stutter, and then also his uh, fingers could not move separately, okay? So he'd do this. I felt like God wanted me to pray for him. And I'm like, all right, God, if he looks at me, I'll pray for him. So right when they say, okay, go pray, Kyle looks at me. I'm like, oh, shoot. Okay, so I'm thinking, man, I'm not very good at this. Okay, so I go up to Kyle, and a couple other guys come around, and we begin to pray for him, and instantly he begins to move his fingers for the first time in his life. And it was like supernatural. It was like, what is happening? Like, the Bible is happening. 
in our life right now. It's happening right before our eyes. And he didn't get, or Kyle did not get completely healed, but he's able to move his fingers now. And it, it's incredible. During worship at Kyle, he would always do this during worship. Just kind of look at his hands because he was so in awe that God could turn around his dark situation. So as I said at the beginning of the message, as I've been seeking the Lord for this year, I think that his top priority is to get us praying. I believe some of us, including myself, like, like this sermon's for me. If you don't know that, like most of these sermons are for me first. Like I get wrecked and then I share it with you. And like, I just wrecked me with this, so here you go. I'm going to give it to you too. But God's been, or, or been speaking to me and saying, Daniel, you cannot do this on your own strength. Daniel, you cannot reach this campus on your own strength. You cannot get those students who don't know me to come to know me on your own strength. You have to pray. I believe that God is calling us, in a sense, to put on our crowns as kings and queens and to begin to pray, to begin to come to his throne room just as a prince or princess would, right? And sit at his feet and say, God, these things are happening on my campus. These things are happening in my life. These things are happening in my family's lives. And you need to change it. I believe God is calling us to take up our authority. That's kind of what the whole series has been about, just kind of moving towards this point for us to understand our identity in Christ and not just to know that in our head, but also to exercise it, to be God's deputies on the earth, to be God's princes and princesses on the earth and pushing back darkness through our purse, through asking our dad to come through. So a pastor, Jim Simbala, I think, I don't know how to say it, but I read his book and he said this in, in Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. It's a book, it's incredible, you should read it, it's about prayer. He says this, he says, Satan's main strategy with God's people has always been to whisper, don't call, don't ask, don't depend on God to do great things, and you'll get along just fine if you rely on your own cleverness and energy. Isn't that true? Like, Satan doesn't want us to ask God to intervene, so a lot of times we don't. Maybe because we've been disappointed in the past, maybe because we've been discouraged, but God wants us to begin to ask again, to, or to begin to ask and to believe that it will be given to us. In that same book, Pastor Jim tells a story of how prayer changed his family's life, and, and specifically his daughter's life. Okay? So this guy's ministering in New York City. He's seen thousands of people put their faith in Jesus. He's seen drug addicts, prostitutes, like you name it, they're coming to Christ. And his own daughter, when she's 16, begins to walk away from the Lord. And she moves off to college. She doesn't even talk to her parents anymore, and she's just not following the Lord. And he tried everything he could, like, like, you know, small group leaders that maybe texted you a lot, like, come to Chi Alpha. Like, that's what he was doing with his daughter. Like, please come back to the Lord. Come back to the Lord. Come to this. Come to that. And, and nothing was working. He could not get through to his daughter. He even had a pastor down in Florida where she lived uh, try to reach out to her and try to meet with her, and that didn't work either. Nothing was working. But this church, or something they did is every Tuesday night, they would come together and have a prayer meeting. And they would just pray. They would seek God and say, God, move in our city. And one night, there was just a lady, just a random lady in the congregation that came up to him said, I believe we're supposed to all pray for your daughter tonight. Okay, so they all come together, and they just weep over her. They, like, labor. The way he describes it, it's just like, or just like a labor room. Like when, uh, like when uh, women are giving birth, like I'm going to experience in a few weeks. I'm nervous about it, but, but just like groaning and, and, and just going after God in prayer and just seeking him for his daughter. Okay, so 32 hours later, it's Thursday morning, and he's shaving up in his bathroom upstairs, and his wife comes running upstairs and says, Jim, you got to come downstairs. She's here. Chrissy's here. So he goes downstairs, and he finds his daughter lying in the middle of the kitchen floor, weeping, just weeping. And he picks her up, and he says, what happened? What happened? And she says, Daddy, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against myself. I've sinned against Mom. Please, please forgive me. 
Then, and so she says that. Then she says, Daddy, who was praying for me on Tuesday night? In the middle of the night, God woke me up and he showed me that I was headed towards this black abyss. And there's no bottom to it. It scared me to death. I was so frightened. I realized how hard my heart had been, how wrong, how rebellious I had been. But at the same time, at the same time that I felt this, I felt like God wrapped his arms around me and held me tight. And he kept me from sliding further as he said, I love you. I love you. So one night where people said, we can't do it on our own strength, but instead we're going to seek God in his throne room. Because of one night where they sought God in prayer, it changed this girl's whole world. And now she's following Jesus. She's a pastor's wife, seeking God. But it started with one night where people prayed. So with that said, again, tonight, the main idea is this. is this. We have a responsibility. It's a responsibility. It's a mandate. If you're a son or daughter of God, it's a mandate to usher in the kingdom through prayer. I don't know where you're at tonight. Maybe you're knee-deep in a struggle with sin, like you're struggling with sin. And your only hope tonight is prayer. I just believe that. You need to go to someone tonight. It needs to happen tonight. Don't wait. Do it tonight. Go to someone and say, I need you to pray for me. Because prayer can break chains. Confession can break chains. And tonight you need to go to someone and say, say, I need your help. Or maybe you're battling with a health problem, whether it's you or a family member. And I believe that God wants to heal some people. I believe that. I believe that God still loves to heal today. Or maybe you have a difficult family member or a difficult friend who just resists the Lord over and over and over again. And you've told yourself that, that God would never save them. But I believe tonight that God wants to call you to prayer. Even if that means praying for years, every day, praying for years for God to intervene. I believe God wants to call you into that tonight. Or maybe you're just struggling with school or you're struggling with work and you're trying to do it on your own. You're trying to figure it out on your own and you're not seeking the Lord. And I just believe that God wants to call you into that tonight. So we all came here with battles and struggles. We've all tried, including myself, to fight battles on our own. But tonight we need to fight these battles in the spiritual realm. I really believe that there's, that there's really three categories of people here tonight. There, there's one group, and you're a child of God. You're following Christ. Like You may seem like you have it all together. But you've had little effectiveness in prayer at some point. So you stopped praying. You just really don't pray anymore. You might pray your daily prayers, whatever, but you don't really seek God to change situations. You just try to figure stuff out on your own. Tonight, I believe that God wants to press deep into your heart, sons and daughters of God, that the way to change the world is through prayer, and he wants to call you back into the prayer closet to seek him and to seek him to, or to change your situations. There's still others of you, and, and you call yourself a follower of Christ. You pray to prayer of salvation. However, as we've journeyed through this series, you've realized that you're not really living as a son or daughter of God. If you're honest, like you're a Christian, an American Christian, but you're not really living as a son or daughter of God because if you're a son, if you're a daughter, it should really radically transform the way you live. You should look way different than the world. And you're not living like that. And that's been pressed into your heart. Maybe you came the first week and you didn't come back because you felt convicted and you're back tonight. And God wants to press into your heart that he wants you to be his true son or his true daughter, not just to be a Christian, but to really walk in everything that he has for you. And that includes identity, knowing who you are in him, that he looks at you and says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He wants you to know that you have a purpose to go and change this campus and make disciples and worship him. And he wants you to walk in freedom from your sin. And finally, tonight, he wants you to walk in authority and prayer. But you need to take up that call. You need to stop running from it. 
you call yourself a follower of Jesus, but you're not living as a son or daughter of God, it stops tonight. God wants you to walk in that tonight. And finally, there's another group, and this is a group, you don't even call yourself a Christian, you know that you're not right with God. Tonight, God wants to show you his love. He wants to wrap his arms around you like he did with Chrissy in that story and tell you that he loves you. Despite the fact that you've been going towards the abyss, he loves you, he's pursuing you, he's after your heart, he's after your good, he's not just looking to condemn you or to judge you, but he wants to wrap his arms around you and invite you into his family. And the way you can do that is through putting your faith in Christ's sacrifice on the cross where he paid your penalty and putting your faith in the fact that Jesus didn't just pay your penalty, but then he rose from the grave to declaring it defeated. He declared death, sin, hell, and the grave defeated. He wants you to step into that tonight and to walk in this beautiful thing called being a son or daughter of God. John 1, 12 says this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in the name of Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Let's walk in that tonight. If you'd stand with me, we're going to close. God is calling us take up our calling as his kids, as his kings and his queens on the earth. But the question tonight is this. The question is, will we take up this call? And will we accept his invitation to be his sons and daughters and walk in everything that means? So if you bow your heads and and close your eyes, I want to give you a couple ways to respond just like we do every week. If you're here tonight and you're not a follower of Jesus, you haven't really been walking in this identity as a son or daughter of God. You haven't really been following Jesus if you're really honest with yourself. Tonight, you just want to throw your faith into Jesus and say, God, I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. What I want you to do is just slip up your hand. And, and it's not to, or to show anyone else, but it's just to, or to signal to God that you're really in this thing. All right, so one, two, three. Slip up your hands all across this room. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anyone else tonight? You put your hands on. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. There's nothing magical about this prayer. Just pray this prayer in your own words. God, we come to you tonight, and we just admit that we totally screwed up at times. We messed up. We've sinned. We've fallen short of your glory. But tonight, God, we just take heart in the fact that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and, and to be raised from the dead. And God, we put our faith in that reality that there was a man in the middle of history who came and died for us. And and then rose from the grave. We put our faith in that. We put all of our chips in that basket and we say we want to be your son or your daughter. All right, there's a second group of us and, and, and that's just for Christians in the room. And if you, if any of this has stuck out to you, like this call to pray, like you just feel like you haven't been praying, I just want you to lift up your hands to heaven right now so you can receive what God has for you or so there can be a deposit in your heart of this hunger for prayer because you can't, You can't muster up this hunger on your own. God has to deposit this hunger into your heart. So I'm going to ask him to do that right now, supernaturally. God, we ask you to deposit hunger into our hearts. God, we ask you to bring us out of apathy and to bring us into a pursuit of you. God, I pray that this community would change the world, change this campus through prayer. In Jesus' name.